0: Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Morning. Man, it's been a great day of worship, hasn't it? You enjoy worship? I love worshiping Jesus. He's so good, and Man, it's, it's just a great privilege uh, and an honor to be able to share with you from God's Word this morning. My name is Pastor Brad. I'm the worship arts pastor here at New Life. And uh, today we're closing a series on work. In fact, for three weeks we've been talking about something very significant for all of our lives. And we talked about this last week that actually work is at least one third, represents at least one third of all of our lives. The other two thirds are uh, worship, doing things that we enjoy and relationships, the people that we love. And last week I I shared with you that that we have probably heard, if you've been around the church uh, for any length of time or ever maybe, you've probably heard a a message on worship. You know, we need to worship Jesus. He's the one who receives all of our worship, and that's the way God designed everything to work. And you've maybe heard messages on relationships, how we're supposed to deal with each other and with God. But many of us have never heard a message about work, And Pastor Chris and I, when we were talking about this series, that's that's a detrimental thing because work represents at least one-third of our lives. And so what we've been doing is we've been sharing, looking at God's word and saying, God, what do you have to say about work? Because God created us. He's the one who designed us, and he's the one who created us to work. We talked about that last week, that God's given us remarkable work to do. And what we need to do is we need to look at his word and, and ask this question. God, what do you say about work through your word, not what do I think you say through your word? And so we discussed that a little bit. And and I want to encourage you, if you haven't uh, seen that message or the message from the week before, please go online to newlifexn.org and check out those messages uh, because they're extremely important and really, really helpful. Uh, You can also listen to the podcast. You can subscribe to the iTunes podcast if you want to do that as well. Just go onto that website and you can do that. I would encourage you to do that. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to close. The first two weeks, we talked about why we worship. We looked at the first week, the four purposes God. gives for our work. We went from the lowest purpose, which was a paycheck, to the highest purpose, which is actually serving God through our work. And then last week, we talked about that God gives us remarkable work to do. Even before the foundations of the earth were laid, God has given us remarkable work. And and some of you, if you weren't here last week, you're probably thinking, you don't know what I do, Pastor Brad. My job is not remarkable at all. So I, I would encourage you again, go online, watch the message. And I think that God will show you that we all have remarkable work. To do. And today what we're going to do is we're going to kind of leave the why and the what and we're going to go to the how. How are we supposed to implement this in our lives? And we're going to look at an Old Testament book in the book of Exodus. So if you would open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 31, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. If you need one, we have them for you out at the Welcome Center. Uh, But if you don't have a Bible, but you have a phone, I would encourage you to download a Uversion app, Bible app, and uh, follow along in that. Or you can read on the screen with us. From Exodus chapter 31, beginning in verse 12, we're going to go through verse 17. Here's what it says. The Lord then gave these instructions to Moses. Tell the people of Israel, be careful to keep my Sabbath day, for the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and you from generation to generation. It is given so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. You must keep the Sabbath day, for it is a holy day for you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Anyone who works on that day will be cut off from the community. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day must be a day of complete rest, a holy day, dedicated to the Lord. Anyone who works on the Sabbath must be put to death. The people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. This is a covenant obligation for all time. It is a permanent sign of my covenant with the people of Israel, for in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, but on the seventh day, he stopped working and was refreshed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we can know what you have to say about our work here on the earth. God, today I pray that you would open our hearts to what you would have for us when it comes to this area of work in our life. God, this significant area. We pray that you would challenge us and change us from the inside out in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we find in this passage is actually a solid biblical foundation for our work and particularly for a way to do our work here on the earth. And what the pattern is, is you probably saw it, work six days and rest one. Work six days and then rest one. So we work how many days? Six days and then we rest for one day. Now, The thing that's interesting about this passage is that most of us are really good at working the six days. What we're not so good at is resting on the one day. And so that's where we're going to focus today because that's where God focused here in this passage and in several other places in in the Bible. God tells us that we need to rest. We have to have a day that is a restful day for us. And so today's message is called uh, Rest Required. Rest required. And what we're going to see is that if we want to honor God in our lives as we, as we work in our work life, we want to honor God there, then we have to rest. In fact, that's our take-home point for today. We must rest. And if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to underline that word must, because we must rest. We have to. We have to rest. And we'll see why a little bit later on in the message. Now, in the message today, you saw, or in the passage from, uh, that we read, you saw the word Sabbath. And what I want to do is just explain that word briefly because if you've not been around the church, you probably have never heard that word before. And the word, all it simply means is this. It, it has two meanings. In the Hebrew, it has two meanings. One is a noun. It means the day, Sabbath day. And on that day, we practice the verb, which is to cease. To cease from what? To cease from work. That's what the Sabbath was. And so the Sabbath day was a day of rest and refocus. That's what we learned when we read that passage this morning. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to see how God spoke to his people in Israel and showed them that this was an absolute, the absolute best way that we could find fulfillment, satisfaction, and joy in our work. And not only that, but it was required of them. So let's look here at Exodus chapter 31 again, verse 13. Tell the people of Israel, be careful to keep my Sabbath day, for the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and you from generation to generation. Now, first of all, the Sabbath is a sign. The Sabbath is a sign that these people, the Israelite people, had a relationship with God. That was first and foremost what the Sabbath was meant to, to be. The meaning behind the Sabbath was that these people who worked for six days and took one day off, as the rest of the world looked at them, they said, huh, that's kind of a weird thing that, you know, we work all the time and they, they're working six days, but they're taking one day off. It's kind of a strange thing. And I, I don't really understand that, you know, and they're weird. So, you know, if, if you're a follower of Jesus in here and people have called you weird before, you're, you're in good company. It's okay. All right. People who follow God are weird. They have to be weird because the culture says we should do things one way, and God says we have to do them a different way, and that's the definition of weird is to step out of the norm, okay? So that's what, that's what the Israelites had to do. It was a sign that they were in relationship with God, and so they were, it, the Sabbath day was a witness for the people of Israel. Next, the Sabbath was a reminder of God's provision for his people. Here's what it says in the rest of that verse. It is given so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. It is given so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. So the Sabbath day was not only a day that was assigned to the nations, it was also a day where the people when they practiced the Sabbath would remember all that God had done for them. Now what what are they remembering? If you if you've ever heard the story of Moses, you might have an idea of what they might be remembering here, but I just want to share it with you briefly the israelite people had traveled down to egypt in order to survive at one point in history in fact god had ordained this is an awesome story you can read it in the last half of the book of genesis it's just amazing how god provided for his people to come down to this land of egypt where there was food in a great time of famine and so the people had blessing there they had the blessing of the king and of all the egyptians and they lived there among the people of egypt but after that king died another king came into power who forgot about all of those things And he put all of the Israelites into slavery, into bondage. He made them work, and he was very harsh to them. And they struggled under this this suffering that they endured. And the amazing thing is they cried out to God, and God heard them. God heard them. In fact, I want to read it to you. Exodus chapter 2, beginning in verse 23, it says this. Years passed, and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help. And their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. Now, this is so amazing. God was concerned about his people. God was concerned about his people. His people cried out under great agony, under their great suffering. And God heard them, and then God did something. He didn't just hear them. He decided he was going to act. On their behalf, he was going to do what they couldn't do for themselves. And in fact, he used a man, man's name was Moses, and he told Moses this. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Israel or out of Egypt. God chose to rescue his people from slavery, from bondage. He He did miraculous things. In fact, he sent 10 plagues on people, on the people of of Egypt because the Pharaoh would not let his people go. Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Pharaoh would say uh, no, and God would send a plague, and then Pharaoh would lie, and he would say, okay, I'll let you people go. And then once God lifted the plague, then uh, he would be harsh to them again. He would keep them in in bondage. And so finally, after the last plague was sent, Pharaoh said, go, get out of here. I don't want anything to do with you guys. (laughs) Because this is just crazy. God did a miraculous thing in Egypt. And so Moses led the people out of Egypt, and he came to this sea known as the Red Sea. And at the Red Sea, the people of Israel looked across and went, surely we're going to die. They, you know, they had just forgotten the, the ten plagues that God had just done. Okay? And they looked at the sea, and they thought, we're going to die. But Moses knew they wouldn't die, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and he put his staff in the Red Sea, and the Red Sea parted, and the people of Israel walked across the Red Sea on dry land. And Moses led them out of the Red Sea. And then Pharaoh kind of came to his senses and was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to lose millions and millions of dollars. I'm going to lose all this effort. We need to go after them. We need to get them again. So he chased them out into the desert. And when they got to the Red Sea and they started into the Red Sea, God closed the Red Sea and destroyed Pharaoh's army. God truly rescued his people. His people were hurting, suffering, in agony, and he rescued them. Because he loved them deeply. And so Moses led the people out into the desert on their way to this land that we just read about, where it's flowing with milk and with honey. It's a good land, it's a great land. And Moses was leading them out there. And as Moses was leading them out there, God gave them a few guidelines, a few rules that they needed to follow. Not, I want to be very clear here, not in order to have a relationship with God. God already was in relationship with his people, God made a covenant with this guy named Abraham. And that covenant was that Abraham would have a great nation and be a great nation and that that nation would bless all of the other nations of the world and God would work through them. God already had a relationship with these people, this people of Israel. So God didn't give rules so that they would be in relationship with him. God gave rules because they were in relationship with him. Because the people of Israel were in relationship with God, they now could know the way things, how the way things were supposed to work. That's an amazing thing about being in relationship with God is that now we can know how we were supposed to function originally in our relationship with God. So God gave them some specific rules. And one of those rules is found in Exodus chapter 20 comes, comes from, straight from the Ten Commandments. Here's what it says. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy, So the Sabbath day became a day where people ceased from their work. They rested, they let their bodies be refreshed, and they allowed God to refocus their hearts as they remembered what God had done rescuing them from Egypt. It's an amazing thing. So the next thing that we learn from the Sabbath, we learn first that it was a sign to all the, the other nations to the world that God was in relationship with his people. We learned that God uses the Sabbath to refocus people's hearts, so that they can know how they're supposed to live for him. Sabbath was a restful day, a refocusing day. And now we learn that the Sabbath was to be taken seriously. Here's what we read in verse 14. You must keep the Sabbath day, for it is a holy day for you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Anyone who works on that day will be cut off from the community. That's pretty harsh. But here's the point of God saying that in this verse. The Sabbath was to be taken seriously, and it was to be a central part of people's lives. Work six days, rest one. Work six days, rest one. And to the people of Israel, the person who did not do that, the person who worked for their or pursued their own interests on the, day, on the Sabbath day, they were to be cut off from the community. And when you're in the desert, and you're in a community of people, when you're cut off from that community, guess what happens? You die. You don't have any provision for food. You don't have any provision for water. Eventually, you'll die. And so that's what, what God said. Listen, we've got to take this seriously. This is not something that I'm just saying for, for you guys to, you know, listen to and then ignore. I need you to do this. This is important. And here's why it's important. Uh, this is a guy problem, I think, primarily, although I've been pretty surprised uh, at all three of our services. And maybe I'll be surprised here at this one. Uh... That that men, we technically we typically start a project, right? And then we can't do anything else until that project is done. Right? I mean this happens to me all the time. My wife will call me at four o'clock in the afternoon and say, honey, when are you coming home? I'll say 5 30. She says, you mean six, and then I'll show up at 6 15. Okay? I don't know why, but what happens is I'll start a project and then I, I get in my mind, like I cannot, I cannot walk away from this project before I finish it. Now how many of you guys have that problem? Anybody? Okay, a few of you guys, all right. Yeah, most of the guys have that problem. Interestingly, it's because we're wired that way. Uh, There's a book actually called Men Are Waffles and Girls Are Spaghetti, okay? I have not read the book yet, okay? But I have had the summary given to me by my mother. I have the book. But here's basically what it means, is that men are like waffles. We have squares. We're made up of squares, okay? That's great. Um, And we're delicious. So... I don't know. I like spaghetti, too. But, <laughs> but this isn't a message about marriage, so we'll move on. So men, men are like squares. We have, we have this thing where we start on one square, and, and we start filling that square up with syrup, and like we have to finish it before we move on to the next square, right? And so what happens in our lives is that when we start this project, we have to complete this project before we can really even focus on other things. And, and if you're a wife in here, or a girlfriend, or, or a fiance, um, you, you know this is true. Because a guy will be working on something, you'll tell him something really important, and then two days later you'll say, did you do that thing I asked you to do? And he'll say, huh? You know? <laughs> any ladies, any, anybody ever experienced that in your life? Okay. Yeah, it happens all the time. But you see, that's what happens with, especially guys, but it happens with all of us, is that we get going on all of these projects... And then we completely forget about God. And God knew. God knew how we were wired. And he knew that if we would just work and work and work and work and work, that we would eventually just completely forget about him. We would pursue our own interests. We would, we would look for that next dollar. We would, we would do whatever we needed to do for ourselves and completely ignore him. And so that's why God said, listen, this has to be taken seriously. This is extremely important. Next, we learn that the Israelites were to practice the Sabbath. Not only were they to have the Sabbath day, remember that's the noun, now they are to practice Sabbathing in their life. And here's what he says in verse 15. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath day of complete rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. So, we work for six days, we're off one day. We work for six days, off one day. Let's say that together. Work for six days, off one day. Now, like you really mean it. Work for six days, off one day. Okay, that's the pattern. If we want to honor God in our work life, we must follow this pattern. We work for six days, we're off for one day. Work for six days, off for one day when we can refocus and refresh. God wanted his people to remember that he was the focus of the day that it wasn't just for their own interests, but that they would rest and let their bodies be refreshed and be refocused. And next we learn that the Sabbath was a perpetual sign or an ongoing sign of God's relationship with his people. Look what it says in verse 16. The people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. This is a covenant obligation for all time. It is a permanent sign of my covenant with the people of Israel. The Sabbath was to be a witness of God's rescuing work in his people's lives. That's why he told the Israelites, listen, you've got to take this seriously. It needs to be central in your life, and you need to do it in order to show the world everything that I have done for you. Now, we said last week that the the goal of our work, the ultimate goal, was to glorify God. That's the ultimate goal of our work. But we have to follow, if we want to truly glorify God, we have to follow this pattern of working six days and off one day. Working six days and off one day. And it will be a sign then for the people that we belong to God. Finally, we learned that people were to follow God's model for work. For in six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth, but on the seventh day, he stopped working and was refreshed. You see, God set the standard. God could have, God, okay, God is God, all right? And there are many debates whether God created the world in millions of years or seven days. But let's let's get real, okay? God is God. He could have created the world in, in a second if he wanted to. But he chose to model for us the pattern that we need to follow. He worked for six days, and he did all of this creation, and he said it was good. And on the seventh day, he ceased working. And he rested. And Scripture tells us he was Refresh. So we have to follow God's pattern. Now, what does all of this mean for us? Because God is speaking to the Israelites, and many of you might be thinking, "Okay, Pastor Brad, I understand that's Old Testament, but I know that I live under the New Testament grace of Jesus." Okay, that's that's awesome. I mean, that's exactly why we we exist as a church. We want to share that new life of Jesus Christ with the world, one person at a time. But here's the thing that Jesus often did. Jesus would often take the Old Testament. And he would clarify it for us. Because there was this group of people known as the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, what they did is they would set up these rules that were kind of like guardrails that that would protect them from falling into sin. Okay? It's a good idea. We should all have guardrails in our life. But the Pharisees didn't set up one. They set up like 10 or 20 for a sin. And so what they would do is after they would smash through the one, they would call that sin. And then they would smash through the other one and they would surely condemn somebody. And then they would smash through another one and that person would be cast out before that person actually committed the sin. And so essentially what the Pharisees did is they made up a bunch of rules and tacked them onto God's law and said, you have to follow these. But here's what Jesus actually did when he was on the earth. He would come in and he would say, listen, you guys, you're confusing the people. You're making this way harder than it needs to be. Here's what my father actually meant when he said this. And that's exactly what he did For the Sabbath day, and that's what we're going to learn here in Matthew chapter 12. Because there's two questions we have to ask ourselves. What does it mean for us, is the first one. Here's what Jesus said. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests of the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So the question remains in that passage where Jesus was taking this idea that the pharisees brought that jesus was actually sinning on this by by desecrating the sabbath jesus redefined it the way that it was meant to be but in this in this text that we just read did he abolish the sabbath did he get rid of it no not at all in fact he just clarified it for us so if you're a follower of jesus in here today this is very important for you for all of us We must rest. We must have a Sabbath day. Jesus didn't abolish it. In fact, Jesus said, I've come to fulfill the law, not abolish it. I've come to fulfill it. So Jesus here explains that you know what? You can do good on the Sabbath. You can, it might look like work, but you can do good. But remember, focus on me. During that time. So Jesus redefined it. Then the second question that we have to ask is this What about weekend worship gatherings like this one? What about weekend worship gatherings like this one? Is weekend Sabbath worship commanded in Scripture? Now remember, we want to take this book and we want to say, God, what are you saying to us? Not what are we thinking that God says to us. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a solid biblical explanation for this in answer to this question what does god say about weekend worship gatherings well let's turn to leviticus chapter 23 verse 3 here's what it says there are six days when you may work but the seventh day is a day of sabbath rest sound familiar it's important to god a day of sacred assembly you are not to do any work wherever you live it is a sabbath to the lord now many people will use this verse to defend having a weekly worship gathering experience on, on a Sunday, typically or a Saturday, and they will argue this verse as their as their uh, kind of their foundation for that. And the the problem with that, and the problem with really taking any part of scripture and applying it to our life, is uh, we have to know the full context of that chapter and of that book. What was God saying specifically in this situation? Because what typically happens is people will take a, a verse and they'll slap it on something and say, God says this, we need to listen to it. Okay? Now, that's, that could be true, but we need to always look at the context. And in the context of this verse, this is really important, in the context of this verse, what God was speaking of here was festivals for the people when they gathered together nationally. They were national festivals to remember all that God had done. And therefore, when we look at this Hebrew text, and I've, I've studied this, and I've read several commentaries and scholars, because I'm not just pulling this out of thin air, they, what they argue, and I tend to agree with them, is this, that in this context, they're not saying we need to assemble on a specific day. What they're saying is that there has to be a specific day that is set apart for rest and refocus. Okay? So... That is the Sabbath commanded in the, in, in the Scripture? Maybe not commanded, like you need to have Sabbath rest, but I do want to share with you what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 10.25. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So the writer of Hebrews was saying, listen, we're meeting together on the Sabbath, we're worshiping God, and let us not forget to do that. Let us not forget to come together and worship. And, and it's interesting because the early Christians carried on the traditions of their Jewish brothers and sisters because the Jews, after the temple was destroyed in the Old Testament uh, and the people were exiled and then they came back and they, they had this, uh, these things called synagogues and they were in their local towns. It's like a local church. And they would come and they would worship God on the Sabbath. And it became a habit for them. And so the Christians just carried on that habit and they worship God, and they would come in and remember everything that Jesus did on the Sabbath day and worship him. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, let us not forget to do that. Let's not do that. And why is that? The same reason we, I explained earlier. If we continue to work, if we continue to do our own things, we will s- simply forget about God and everything that he has done for us. So I want to share with you my opinion This is my opinion. This is not from the Word of God. This is my opinion about weekend worship gatherings. When it comes to practicing Sabbath in in today's culture, I believe that weekend worship gatherings present the best opportunity to witness to the world that we belong to Jesus. Now, let me tell you why. In our culture, if we don't work for one day, people don't look at us and go, that's weird. Because a lot of people work shift work where maybe they'll work four 10-hour days and have three days off. Or they might work part-time and work the rest of the time at home or whatever the situation is. If we collectively as followers of Jesus took one day off in our culture, it would not really be noticed by everyone around us. Therefore, I think, I believe, that the weekend worship gatherings present the best opportunity for us to tell the world We belong to Jesus. We want to go and worship him. In fact, your neighbors will notice that, and people will really notice it, especially if you make it a priority in your life, where you say, I'm going to come and I'm going to worship Jesus because of what Jesus has done for me. And when we say to to somebody, hey, somebody invited me fishing, I'm going to say, you know what, I'd love to go fishing, but tomorrow's worship, and I don't want to miss it. The author of Hebrews says, "Let's not forget to meet together, to worship God, to be encouraged in community. Because when we're by ourselves, we'll be led astray. But when we're together, we will come together and worship God on the Sabbath." So that's my opinion: that we should come together and we should worship. That it's a good thing, and that it is a, a bit, there's a biblical foundation for it. So let that be the witness to everyone around us. Now let's return to the question: What does all this mean to us? Basically, three things. This. And we're going to end here. The Sabbath day for us is to be a day of refreshment. A day when we rest our bodies. You see, when we're under stress all the time, constantly, our bodies release chemicals, and and those chemicals can really screw with your body. And if there is no rest, those chemicals will lead to depression, constant anxiety, heart disease, many physical things. You see, God wasn't making this up for the fun of it. He wired us. He knows how we work. So we have to rest our bodies for refreshment. The next thing that we need to do is allow God to renew us. Renew us through his word by focusing on him. Allowing him to open our hearts and our souls up to who he is and everything he has for us as he delivers it through his spirit. And then the last thing is to refocus because all of us in here who have trusted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we know everything that God has done for us through Jesus. Jesus came here on, to the earth, lived the life we couldn't live. In fact, Scripture tells us we were enemies of God. But through Jesus, we are made right with God. And here's how it happened. Jesus lived the life we couldn't live. He died to death on the cross, excruciating death, that we should have died. And three days later, God raised him back to life again, overcoming sin and death forever. And now... By grace, through faith, when we put our faith in Jesus, we receive his life. And because now we have received that life, here's the amazing thing. Scripture tells us in, in John chapter 1, verse 12, that God adopts us as his children. And when we are adopted into the family of God, then we can know how God works and how we are supposed to respond to him through his word. He has shown us. That's why this word is so important in our lives, particularly when it comes to significant issues like work so it's a day of refocusing on all that god has done just like god rescued his people from bondage and slavery in egypt god rescued us from bondage and slavery to sin and now we are restored to him so this thing of sabbath is a real thing for us we need to have a day set apart where we rest and refocus on him and i want to leave you with this from isaiah 58 Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. And here's the amazing thing about the second part of that verse. It says that we will be blessed by God if we do that. It's amazing. God loves us. He cares for us so much. He wants us to know how we're supposed to work on the earth work 6 days, rest 1 day. Work 6 days, rest 1 day. Here's the commitment for today. I will honor God by resting for work from work for one whole day this week. I understand this is probably a radical commitment for somebody in here. Like it's going to maybe cost you money to take this seriously. But God spoke of the Sabbath many times because it's a big deal. So I would encourage you, whatever it takes, get one day to rest and let God renew you and refocus your hearts. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you have given us your word, that we can be in relationship with you. And today, God, I pray that that you will teach us what it means to trust you in this area of Sabbath. God, I especially pray for those in here who are struggling with finding time. God, it's so hard, we're busy. But God, we know that you direct our lives and bless us when we follow your word and follow your ways. And you do things in unexplainable ways. And so God, today we pray that you will encourage us and challenge us in our hearts to take one day and rest and give it to you for your glory that you will refocus us and show us what we're supposed to do the next day to bring you glory. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for this series, God. May your name be highly exalted in Jesus' name. Amen.